Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Did you know that self-managing your rental properties can save you thousands of dollars and give you a better performing portfolio? So stop leaving money on the table. Property Management Academy is a self-paced course that teaches you step-by-step how to self-manage your own real estate properties so that you can confidently self-manage. Check out the PMA course on our website, womeninvestinrealestate.com slash PMA. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast. Today, we're going to talk about small multifamily properties, and Amelia and I are going to walk you through our first multifamily purchases from head to tail, everything that happened, the numbers, all that good stuff. Yeah, this is actually my second multifamily purchase, though, because my first ever purchase was a multifamily. So this is my second deal. Oh, no. Yes, that's fine. I thought your first purchase was a flip. Well, it was, but then my buy and hold was a triplex. We talked about my first deal and your first deal in our very first episode. So this is our second deal and we both did small multifamily deals for our second deal. So Mm -hmm. we're going to cover that. Yeah. And kind of the idea is that eventually we can walk you through our portfolio here and there. So maybe down the line, we'll do our third deal, our fourth deal, whatever. So today is deal number two, which just so happens it was both small multifamily. Amelia, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can definitely go first. I'm excited for this episode too. I just want to say because I love hearing other people's stories about Mm -hmm. like their properties and knowing the numbers behind them. So yeah, I'm excited to share. So my second ever property that I purchased, I actually purchased it from the same person that I purchased my first triplex from. He was an older investor looking to get out of the business. He owned a triplex and a quadplex. And at the closing table, when we walked out of the broker's office for the triplex, I was like, hey, do you do you want to sell me that quadplex that you own as well? And he was like, yeah, definitely. So I purchased the triplex in October and then I closed on the quadplex in December. So nice. pretty much immediately got it under contract and then closed. I used the money that I had recycled from my very first property, my triplex for this because I did a burr on that property. And so that's kind of the background. So this was a quadplex, super excited because I love small multifamily. It had two one bedrooms, one two bedroom and one gigantic three bedroom. The purchase price was (laughs) $135,000. I love sharing my purchase price numbers with people because they never believe it. But I'm in a small town in Iowa for this specific property. This property is not in Des Moines, which is the capital. This is in my hometown. So I put 20% down. So I don't even know what that is. But 20% of 135, my lender gave me a commercial loan with a 20-year amortization at 4.5% interest. Again, this was back in December 2020. (laughs) Yeah, the good old days. And so my mortgage on the property. So actually, let's go into a little bit more about the property itself. So it had four tenants in it at the time. So it was fully occupied. However, the rent rolls were only at $2,000, which was still a good... I mean, if you think about the 1% rule, $135,000 purchase price with a $2,000 rent roll, that's really not bad. However, the owner also lived right across the street from this property. So I really, this is my first experience with training inherited tenants Mm. because the triplex I purchased completely vacant. 
I did not inherit any tenants, which is what I prefer. I don't love inherited tenants because they're already set in their ways. They've come up with their own rules for the property, like they're the owner. But this one was particularly interesting because, like I said, the the owner lived right across the street. So they were used to having him at their every beck and call. Mm. Didn't you say that he, like, changed the smoke detector batteries? No, that wasn't him. That was somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was on call 24-7. He would pick pick their rent up from them and or they would just, like, put it under his door because he literally lived right across the street. He would clear their – he was retired, so, like, when it snows, he would clear their sidewalks and their driveways within, like, an hour, which is just unrealistic when you're hiring it out. You're not going to get someone that's going to be by within an hour. It was mowed all – know every week it was mowed yada 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 so I inherited four tenants I quickly got rid of one of the tenants in one of the units because they had four dogs four kids nothing against kids but their place was a mess it was and how big was it that was the giant three bedroom okay two bathroom but they were just not good tenants they were not I also raised their rent like 150 dollars which is pretty significant for how much they were paying. I think they were paying 700 and I raised it to 850 because it was severely under market rent. So they were not happy with that. They quickly left, which was great. But actually, all the other three tenants are still there to this oh, day. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So just, <laughs> I've had them for two and a half years at this point. I've steadily raised rent with each one of them. So at this point, rent roll is at 2450 it was originally at 2000 so raised it a decent amount percentage wise my mortgage is 500 insurance 155 property taxes 305 so my pity altogether is 960 one thing about this property that's a huge cash flow killer is i still pay the gas and water bill for the mm. whole property because they're inherited tenants i usually do rubs ratio utility billing but i didn't want to rip the bandaid off all at once raising their rent and making mm-hmm. them pay for those utilities and I still haven't ripped the band-aid off, but I have raised their rent enough that it kind of covers that. Mm-hmm. So the utilities for the property, which is the gas and water and trash, cost $450 about on average. Snow and lawn is $100. My vacancy, capex, and repairs budget, I save about $250 a month for that. So all in, my expenses each month are $1,760. Again, that can fluctuate. Some months, utilities are very low, like in the summer when they're the gas, the heater isn't running, they're very low. But in the winter, a lot higher, so it just averages out to $450. So with my rent roll at $2,450 and my expenses at $1,760, my cash flow is $690 per month. It could be cl- over $1,000 if I started charging them back for utilities, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I'm not willing to make that fight yet. And then I also put in here in my notes that I think I could reasonably sell it at this point for $220,000. So I've got probably like $85,000 in equity in it, Damn. which is which is great, especially in a small town. So to me, it doesn't really matter that much that I'm losing out on a little bit in utilities every month because I'm gaining a lot of equity in this property. So yeah, you're sitting at 40% equity, which is a very comfortable position. Right. I also am like really quick, like what's my 
cash on cash return. So I have about, let's say I have about 30,000 into the property. If I make 690 a month, my cash on cash is around 27%, which is Wait, a killer. Also, I messed but, up. I just used your purchase price for your debt. Your purchase price was you put 20% down. So you're actually sitting at, you have over, you have 50% equity, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think my like my remaining mortgage amount is like ninety five thousand at this oh, point. Yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. That that feels good. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know that I would sell this. I think if something killer came along and I could roll my equity into a bigger deal that cash flowed a lot more, I would consider selling it. But at this point, I'm pretty happy with yeah how this one's doing. That's one thing I never think about is like, I could always 1031 into bigger things, but I really have not ever considered it. And one other thing I want to talk about is inherited tenants. And you said that you weren't willing to like pick that battle right now. I think that you and I harp a lot about like training your tenants and like, we don't like inherited tenants because X, Y, Z, but we also don't talk a lot about how sometimes you have to calculate what's worth the battle, especially when it comes to vacancy. So if you're trying to fight over like a $30, $50 rent raise, but then it's going to cause a month long vacancy at $1,000 a month, you just traded $50 for $1,000. And that might work in some situations. It might be worth it maybe to get a better quality tenant, do some upgrades, whatever. But in other situations, if they are a good tenant and they don't bother you and they pay rent, like in my opinion, it's not really worth it. I agree 100%. And all three of these tenants that I still have are great tenants and mm -hmm. they keep their units really nice. I would say the inside of this building is above average. The owner like renovated every single unit himself and did them really nice. So they take good care of the property. If you are inheriting tenants, like one thing that I would recommend, which is what I did, was I met individually with each one of them. I explained, you know, mm. a couple changes that were going to be made. I sat down, I walked through the lease with each one of them because I raised all of their rents right away. Not a ton, but probably like $25. So it was important for me to like sit down and let them know that the rules were changing and their rent was going to be raised, mm -hmm. but also like why their rent was going to be raised. So I provided them with a couple comps in the area. And here's the thing about inherited tenants. If they're severely under market rent, they know that they're getting they a good deal. They know that they can't find anything cheaper. And so they all stayed. I mean, even at their current rents, I think they're still a little bit under market rent and they know that. So they're willing to stay. Plus their places are really nice. So just keep that in mind. Like your tenants know that they're not paying market rent. So don't be afraid to raise it a little bit. And then I've incrementally raised their rent every year since. And I actually let them know that in that very first meeting. I said, hey, you guys are really under market rent. The old owner didn't owe any money on the property. He bought it for like 20000 and did all the renovations Crazy. himself. So I'm like, I'm in a different position than him. He has no, like he doesn't have a monthly mortgage. I do. So I have to treat this like a business. And I basically told them that. And so I said, you're going to go up every single year in rent in that that's what it's going to be. So don't be surprised every year when you get a renewal yep. notice with a $20 increase. I was just trying to look for, his name is Dion McNeely. He has a really great Bigger Pockets episode about 
like what you were just talking about, like sitting down, explaining the rent raise, but doing it in a like with a lot of really good psychological tips that like really put you on like their team and they think that like you're on their side, which I mean, you should be. You should all be on the same team in a great in a great world. Everybody's working together to make a great landlord tenant relationship. And yeah. But anyways, go listen to that Bigger Pockets. I don't know the episode. We'll put it in the link in the show notes. But it's Dion McNeely. Yeah, he calls really it the binder episode. method. He calls it yeah. the binder method. That's how he presents his tenants. Their, you know, inherited tenants, their rent inc- increases. He puts it all in a binder and presents it to them that way. So he's awesome. Yeah, yes. And he does this thing where he'll like ask, okay, what re- like what needs to be done if you were going to buy the house? And then he like waits two months. So then when he does raise the rent, they're like, oh, well, I got a couple things out of it. So I guess I'm not that mad that the rent got raised. And he just has like a bunch of little tips in there. So totally recommend. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's it for my deal. Love this deal. Now let's go to your second ever deal. Yes. Okay. So you got really detailed with your pity and your reserves and I did not pull that up. So I don't know my exact cash flow without logging in to my QuickBooks. However, I still have a lot of good details. So this was my second ever deal. It was two duplexes. So I had bought, I guess this was my third deal because I I started with a house hack live and flip, but I don't really ever count that one because I didn't really know about real estate. Like I just bought a house. Second deal was a huge burr. And in the middle of that burr, I bought this deal. My uncle actually had this lead and said, this landlord is about to sell to a wholesaler. He, But I told him, and the landlord lived in the units, well, lived in one of these two duplexes. But I told him, if you sell to the wholesaler, the wholesaler probably, the buyer will probably kick you out. So sell to Grace. So he put us in contact. We went over and walked it. I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Like I just knew, okay, they want 255. I think these are worth like 300 just by doing comps. It was one side-by-side duplex and then three houses down and up-down duplex. It was in a good area. They were both in pretty good condition. It was four fully occupied units. Three of the units were family. And then one was actually an insurance tenant, but I didn't really understand it at the time. And I wish I would have understood it. I would have charged a lot more. Anywho. And so we walk it. I'm like, okay, I think I want to buy it. How does this work? I knew I didn't have 200. I didn't know I didn't have $50,000 to buy this property because that would be 20% down, like 50, 60,000. So I went to a very small local bank and I had been banking there forever. It was where in a little town that my mom grew up, my mom knew like the people at the bank and I called them and I said, hey, I have this fantastic deal. These tenants have been here for five plus years. They've never paid rent late. It is completely under market rent. The rent at the time was 28 50 and I thought that the rent roll was at least $200 a unit. It's like $800 under. And I basically said, I don't want to put 20% down. I want to put nothing down because I think it's worth 300 and therefore there's already built in equity. And keep in mind, I've bought like one other rental property at this point. So I'm really talking out of my ass. <laughs> I and- know. I love this. Like- I know. I know. <laughs> I can't like I look back. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like, I really just called and was like, I need to speak to the VP. Granted, there's probably like 20 employees at this bank. So it's not like that crazy to speak to the VP or whatever. So he gets the underwriter on the phone. They're like, all right, like, give us the numbers again, blah, blah, blah. And we settle at 10%. And so I was like, okay, cool. I just got 25. That's 25K I don't have to come up with, but I still need to come up with 25K. So I at this time, I am at 
this time currently, I partner with my boyfriend, Brant. So I knew I would, that'd be 12 and a half thousand. I was still like, okay, I don't know if I have 12 and a half thousand. I definitely didn't at the time. Or I did, but that was like all of my money. So we went Isn't three. Isn't that crazy though? Just I know. Looking back, like, I'm like, oh my God, I thought that was so much money. I know. And it is. It 12,000 is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But now we're like, that's nothing. So I brought my sister in. I said, okay, let's go three ways on this deal. So we each only have to come up with $8,000. And for some reason, I really wanted her W-2 to get this house because I didn't know Brant at the time was doing real estate full time. I was still working, but hadn't had my job for a year. So I just wanted like that extra stability and I wanted to bring down my down payment. So we went three ways. So we each had to come to the closing table. I think it was eight or $9,000. And so I inherited four tenants my first tenants ever had no clue what to do but I quickly figured it out I read like the bigger pockets management book and and figured all of that out and asked me a lot of questions along Definitely. the way I purchased for 255,000 the rent roll was 2850 no utilities which was really nice the side-by-side duplexes I love because there's never going to be utilities because there's no shared entryways but the up down has like one shared little hallway but that electric like went to the bottom tenant for some reason so we were gonna self-manage it we kept all four tenants for a few maybe six months and then we worked to get the downstairs tenant ended up moving out so we raised their rent 150 dollars. the top tenant who is the story that i shared about with the phone call the 2 a.m. story the plumbing story worked very hard with them to get them out and I flipped it into a midterm rental and the rent doubled so I went from like $800 to $1,600 on midterm rental so that was really great and it we got to rehab the unit for like pretty cheap probably like $5,000 painted it new flooring and new fixtures we did a lot of that ourselves and then that means that I still have two of the same tenants and in one of the duplexes. I'll keep them as long as they want. They're great tenants. They pay their rent. They don't ever have complaints. I can trust them. So I definitely will keep them as long as they want to be there. But if either of them move out, I will probably rehab it and then maybe refinance this property. I would say right now the property is worth together $325 to $350. And the reason I know that is because this neighborhood for some reason is like all duplexes. Like somebody went and just built all duplexes back in like the 50s or 60s or 70s so there are literal identical comps which is very 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 rare in Iowa because there's just not as many people so it's really hard to get good comps and literally the house next door is a perfect comp that sold on Zillow so I can see all the pictures it sold on the That's market so, so I can nice see all the pictures on Zillow so I know exactly what it's worth and that was like two years ago so I have really great equity in this property I love it it doesn't give me a ton of issues although we did replace two water heaters um maybe a month or two ago that sucked but other than that this has been a great property i highly recommend it the biggest thing that i learned is up down duplexes are vastly different than side by side because you have the shared yard you have the shared lawn care clearing the sidewalks the shared driveway you've got noise Noise coming from upstairs yeah and also when i inherited it those two tenants hated each other they both came to me saying, blah, 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 blah. this tenant doesn't do blah, 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 blah. you got to tell them. So actually what I did is right off the bat, I said, it sounds like neither of you can agree on the lawn care and snow removal. So I'm going to add it into your rent and hire it out. Obviously, I added in more than it cost to hire out. So then I was immediately up and they were both happy that they didn't have to do it. Were they on month to month leases? Yes. 
I think yeah. they were all on month-to-month leases. I mean, because legally, I know people always like to question stuff like that. Legally, and if they were in the middle of a lease and that wasn't included in their lease, you couldn't just say, okay, now you got to pay for lawn and snow. You'd have to sign a new lease with them when their current lease was up. So if you're sitting there wondering, well, how did she do that? They probably were on a month-to-month lease and she could edit it after 30 days. Yes. Okay, but here's my question. What if they both agree and want it? Can't you just sign an addendum? Yeah, you could sign an addendum. But yeah, they were on month to month. The other two that have still been with me two years now, I'm trying to get them on like a two-year lease because I'm like, I, I I want you. And I think a mindset shift that I've had is I used to think that I wanted them out so I could rehab it and get more rent and all that stuff. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, they're great tenants. They're just going to stay. I'm not making the most I could off of this property, but I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to worry about them paying rent. So I have gone 180 and now I'm like, hey, do you guys want to sign a two-year lease? Okay, this this is such a good learning episode about this one specific topic. In real estate, you lose money. You lose the most money in real estate on your vacancies and your repairs between tenants. Mm -hmm. That is the total game changer. So that's why it's so important. Either if you inherit tenants, you make sure they're good. Or when you're placing tenants, that's why it's so important to take your time placing a good tenant versus putting in the first tenant that applies because you lose your money in your vacancies and your turnover costs. Yep. And and I feel like that's one of those things you almost have to learn it the hard way. I was just telling my uncle who does real estate in the area, like, I think I finally learned, like, I definitely like cannot be nice when people don't pay rent. Like I'm finally like have had enough after two years. Like I post the notice, I take it to court if it needs to be taken to court. Whereas before I would be all nicey, nicey, or I'd place the first tenant who, and I Mm -hmm. really feel like it's one of those things that you have to let your emotions get in the way a little bit and then you get burned a little bit and then you learn your lesson. Absolutely. I do like that multifamily builds in a little bit of a cushion. So like if you have a vacancy in one unit, at least you have another coming in, which is why like I only buy multifamily now. But like for my quadplex, my cash flow is $690 a month. If my tenant in the large three bedroom that's paying $875 a month moves out, I'm negative cash Mm -hmm. flow for the month. So that's huge. Keeping Mm -hmm. your tenants happy and placing good tenants. Yeah. And one other thing, like I said, I don't don't know the cash flow without looking it up, but I know that my pity is around 2000 and I'm bringing in 4100 So, That's and I great. am paying utilities on that midterm rental. So I'm cash flowing probably around $1,000 on these four units. Nice. 250 a door. Split, I think mine's split three ways. Oh yeah. 250 a door split three ways. $1,000 yeah. a month split three ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Any last thoughts? Just remember when it comes to duplex, like there are tenant relationships and uh, not even a duplex. Once you go duplex on up, that you just have to keep in mind that you don't have to with single family. Yeah, that's huge. I definitely learned that the hard way. So, yeah. Okay. If you are interested in buying properties and managing them yourself, we have a course on that. So, check that out. We will link it in the show notes. But otherwise, we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.